Like Call It What You Want, which we know is your favorite podcast about the beautiful game, Viore is committed to delivering a great experience for everyone, which is highlighted by their new perspective on performance apparel. Everything is designed to work out in, but doesn't look or feel like it. In fact, I'm rocking their Stratotech polo right now, along with their Sunday performance jogger pants, so I can be business on top when I'm on camera, but super comfortable on the bottom. And it's just the best. Fiori gear is incredibly versatile, and it can be used for just about any activity. Running, training, swimming, lounging around, hosting podcasts, doing errands, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. And for our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash call it. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash call it. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash call it and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Today on In Soccer We Trust, we're talking more World Cup draw, of course. The emergence of some players that are making moves to maybe get on this roster. I'm looking at you, Cameron Carter-Vickers and Georgi Mihailovic. And we, of course, have the Nations League coming up here in CONCACAF. There's a lot to talk about, so hit like and subscribe and hit us up in the comments because it's time to get after it. Yes, everybody, let's get after it. Another exciting installment of In Soccer We Trust is upon us. With three of your favorite former U.S. men's national team players. Jimmy Conrad, that's me. Charlie Chuck Wagon Davies and Hollywood Heath Pierce. Now, guys, before we go anywhere, we've had some time to sit with this World Cup draw. We probably had some friends that are like, oh, England's going to crush you, mate, and all that type of stuff. I got Julian Lescott in my DMs going, you guys have no chance. Come on, Julian Lescott. But, Charlie, I'm coming to you first. You've had some time to digest this World Cup draw. How are you feeling about it? Are you feeling worse? Are you feeling better? Where are you? I Charlie, still feel... call him out for that. Hum- he just name dropped to start the show. <laughs> call him out for that before you say anything. Yeah, you know I didn't want to go there, um, but yeah, Lescott he he popped up in my my DMs as well. Um, oh my, he didn't so pop into mine. I, Sorry. He, I think I think they're they're trying to start something here. They but are, I, but I will say I still like it. I still like this draw. It it, you... it could all it could always be worse. So from this standpoint, <laughs> that's true. I like the the challenge in front of of this current U.S. men's national team. Okay, before I go to Hollywood here, who's already trying to butt in and, and talk some trash because he doesn't know Julian Lescott like we do, Chuck. But uh, who would you rather face? Wales, Scotland, Ukraine? Do you have a Do you have a preference out of those three from a competitive standpoint? Do you think we have a better advantage on? I'm gonna go Wales. Let's go Wales. Okay. I, I know do- they have. I know they have some 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 top players, and Gareth Bale is is kind of leading the charge for Wales. But ultimately, I, I I like us against Wales. I mean, it's kind of they're all on on level. I think a level playing field. 
They have Ukraine, one guy though. Ukraine, Gareth Ukraine, Bale Ukraine, though that can that can change the game by himself. Absolutely, but, yes. but Ukraine is probably the team that you don't want to face if, if they are to mm. to kind of progress just because of everything that they're playing for. Right. And, no, and how the world's going to kind of be around them and supporting them. That's probably the team that's going to be playing with a whole nother level of passion, right, and commitment. So ultimately, I think Wales would probably be a, a great matchup. Okay, now, Heath, it's your turn. Uh, we did a poll question on In Soccer We Trust on Twitter. Hit us up at ISWT Pod. Let us know your thoughts. But Scotland was the, the favorite that everybody wanted to face in this. How are you feeling about the group overall? And then who would you prefer to play? Wow. I mean, I, I still feel good about the group. And I still feel good. I know that the, the odds came out of like a 30-plus percent chance for the U.S. To, to make it out of the group stages to the round of 16. None of that really means much to me because I, 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 when you're on the inside of what this group is capable of, I, I, I still feel really good about the ability to get out of this group. Now, uh, with regard to who I like more in this matchup, it'd probably be Wales or Scotland. Again, I think Charlie had a good point around Ukraine, the rallying cry around uh, that team, that national team. We saw that with Denmark at the, at the Euros. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, different circumstances, but with the Christian Eriksen thing, there was this momentum that be, they became – the, the, the world's team for that tournament, right? Of just wanting to see, regardless, that team do well. I think the same stands for Ukraine uh, if they were to get through just in terms of, of, of the momentum that they'll have of sort of playing with, with house money, I think, is something that you don't necessarily want to come up against. So I like, I like the idea of, of Wales or Scotland. Now, if I had to pick one uh, of the two, I would probably say Scotland. I, I like, again, it's going to be a scrap. It'll be a fight. Uh, and, and similarly to, to, to Wales, Minus what I think would be, you know, any sort of uh, Gareth Bale-esque threats in the team. So I, I, I think I'd like to face Scotland, if, if, if anything. Okay. I like that shot. I think Scotland would be plucky. But I also feel like when I look at Scotland and Wales, they still look down upon us. Like, they feel like they're better than we are. And I feel like we could use that to our advantage. Ukraine, assuming that game still goes on against Scotland to even get into that, that final against uh, Wales in the Intercontinental Playoff or Euro Playoff. I, I I do worry about that rallying cry, but I don't know if that game's going to even happen. So I don't I, know. I like, Steve Clark's men are pretty good, Scotland, but but Wales have that one X factor in Gareth Bale. If he shows up, Duke can win a game by himself. Chuck, it, absolutely. And I and the reason why I didn't even include Scotland is because I don't think they're gonna they're gonna come out. So realistically, I think it's going to be between Ukraine and Wales. Interesting. Look at look at Chuck coming in with the analysis. Okay, now hey, 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 by the go, way, go, Scot- go. Scotland are on a run right now too, though. Like they That's were true. sort of written off. I think they won five or six in a row uh, to to wrap up their 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 games. And so I, they're they're certainly a team that has a a belief that maybe they didn't, and and has that momentum similar to what we talked about, Jimmy, when you talked about Mexico finishing off qualifying strong. Where even though they were in a place from the media standpoint, the actual results. Uh, were quite different, and and that's a tough thing to, to to bet against as well. All right, now before we get into Cameron Carter Vickers, who scored the winner in the Old Firm Derby for Celtic at Ibrox, which is uh, no easy feat, and then Georgi Mihailovic, who is absolutely tearing it up for Montreal, even though they did play against a pretty bad FC Cincinnati, but he's getting a lot of chatter that maybe he should be included in this U.S. Men's National Team roster moving forward, and Chris Richards making his return, and Christian Pulisic about to play against Real Madrid, in the Champions League once again. He scored against them in leg one of the semifinals last season. I have to say that we have two winners to announce for our $100 Paramount Woo-hoo! Plus gift card. And we're saying this because we want to obviously honor the winners and all of your support, but we're going to have more of these in the future. So those two winners from Wednesdays and Thursdays 
podcast from last week. We have uh, Brock E. and C. Stone. Your names were picked at random from all the entries, and our producer has DM'd you the details about how to redeem your prizes so that you have the opportunity to watch the Champions League, the Europa League, Serie A, NWSL, Scottish Premiership, countless soccer documentaries, NFL, the Halo series, Clifford, the big red dog, everybody. That's why you want this gift card. There isn't a better live and on-demand streaming service out there. So a shout-out to Paramount Plus for allowing us to give these away. And for everybody, for their support, we're going to continue to do this moving forward. So make sure when that happens, you're ready to go. Okay, let's start with Cameron Carter-Vickers, 24-year-old center back on loan from Tottenham to the one and only mighty Celtic in the Scottish Premiership who are league champions. They're six points above Rangers, their biggest rivals, with one game left to go. Now, Cameron Carter-Vickers supposedly is going to sign a full-time deal, $6 million transfer fee, from what I understand, from Tottenham. Tottenham's happy with that. They respect him, but they think this is a good situation, kind of a win for everybody. Now, Jan Vertonghen, when he was playing for Spurs and and, and Carter Vickers got into the first team, called him an absolute beast. I, when I looked at it, I didn't realize how old he was. I thought he was like 27, 28 at this point. Dude's 24. Now, given his performance and his steady performances with Celtic, Heath, I'll come to you first. Do you feel like Cameron Carter Vickers should be called in for these, these well, there's going to be two friendlies and then two Nations League games in June. What do you say? Well, I think that we've, we've, decided to go with, and this is not a disrespect to the players that we have, the minimum viable product of what the capabilities of our center back pool is, right? Which is more of your hard-nosed center backs, win your duels, win your battles, defense first. We've kind of scrapped the idea of like, wouldn't it be nice if we had uh, a John Anthony Brooks who maybe he gets turned in the wrong positions or gets pulled out of positions, but really good on the ball. Tim Ream, same thing, gets pulled out of positions. But is very good on the ball in terms of distribution, keeping the ball and things like that. I think we've dialed it back to something a little more simple, just athletic, good, found out, foundationally strong center backs. Cameron Carter-Vickers fits into that conversation. Mm-hmm. And, and I've actually been kind of not screaming, but yelling for his name to be included in these camps, considering that he's playing for a team that's competing for, for trophies. Now, to go back to, oddly, what Matt Turner had said, in terms of the level and the quality that 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 Greg Berhalter was talking to him about, which was like being on the bench at Arsenal is better than in, it, it, I'm 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 paraphrasing what he said mm-hmm. in my yeah, own words, sure. but being on the bench at Arsenal or competing for a spot at Arsenal, but probably not winning that spot is more important at, to be at a higher level on a daily basis than the matches that you're playing in maybe Major League Soccer. I think about the same for Cameron Carter-Vickers. However, he's in a title race at a club that has to play under immense pressure where. Second place is failure, always there, right? And yes, they're one of the two big clubs, but coming out where he's getting results against against Rangers, I think is certainly a shout. It's just one of those things where you start to look at it and it starts to get really crowded in terms of where does he fit in. Now, if we're going to go 27 to a World Cup, maybe that's a little bit different, but to bring him in this late in the cycle just feels like what is it from getting a goal against Rangers that changes his performance where he's one of the best, considered statistically one of the best defenders in the Scottish Premier League, Um What's the difference now, right? Other than the fact that he's getting more attention because he's scoring a big goal in a big game, what's the, I, I think he's well, what been else, at, what at a high level. If, if you're if you're Cameron Carter-Vickers, what else are you supposed to do? I mean, that's my point. Not- it's like nothing's changed other than the fact that it's a headline moment. Sure. But he's been good, and statistically, again, I think one of the best two or three dual winning center backs, and and actually set he, piece. He averages four point four clearances a game, which is. Uh, for for Celtic in the Scottish Premiership, so take that as you say with a little bit of a grain of salt. But mm-hmm. but 
that is almost twice as many as any other defender for Celtic. And, and I think it leads all the Scottish Premiership in terms of his, just his influence, his mere presence, Charlie. So Carter Vickers, where, where do you see him? Do you, do you feel like he deserves a chance? I mean, if you're going to look at anybody, we, we only have six games, everybody. We only have six games before we can pick a team. Now we can bring people into camp and all that stuff, but it's easier to judge, obviously, if you have games to, to hold them accountable for. Do you think he should be brought in for these June games? I absolutely do think he deserves a chance. Um, when you're playing consistently, consistently for a, a top club in a, in a league uh, like like Celtic, who will be uh, the eventual champions, I believe. the The problem with with the Scottish Premier Premiership is ever since Rangers went into administration, everyone kind of booked it because mm-hmm. that league was was basically uh, you either played for Rangers or or Celtic and whoever the winner was, was typically playing in Champions League. Since Rangers administration, we haven't seen a Scottish team really in the, the qualifying um, group stages of, of Champions League. Mm-hmm. And we sure as, as hell haven't seen them compete in Champions League. So I think now you're starting to see a lot of players go in and, you know, play in different leagues and different clubs. And so therefore the Scottish League, I think, dropped considerably. I feel like it's now starting to pick back up. And with with Cameron Carter's Vickers now being a starting center back on a on a championship team, you, you got to give him a chance. He's playing consistently. He's doing well. He's getting all the plaudits. I mean, he's earned a call up, especially at the center back position. Now, when you flip it to Georgi Mihailovic, I would say he he's a creative player, and I think he's grown considerably since the first time that Greg kind of included him with this U.S. Men's National Team. But it's much, much harder to break into this midfield with the U.S. Men's National Team than it is at center back. And so the only reason, the only way I see a path for for Mihailovic to join this midfield is if he makes a move to, to Europe in the summer. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we could argue that Jesus Ferrer is playing with FC Dallas and he might be playing four-dimensional chess by staying in MLS as opposed to going to an Augsburg in the Bundesliga. Though, shout out to mm-hmm. Ricardo Pepe, played 89 minutes out on the wing on the right side. And Augsburg beat Wolfsburg and John Brooks 3-0. Must, must win game for Augsburg. Hey. So nice to see that he was involved. And I actually thought, did you watch any of that game, you two? His movement off the ball, his little layoffs, and like when he licks to get it back, and his change of speed when he makes his decision, excellent, excellent stuff from Ricardo Pepe. Right now, though, and I was kind of yelling at the screen, like, play him back into space. Ricardo Pepe created yep. a passing lane. Play him, and they're just not playing him. And it makes me wonder, you know how sometimes – there are players. Kareem Benzema, I think, used to do this a little bit to Vinicius Jr. Like, nah, I'm going to play the ball back to you. Yet. Yeah, but just, Kareem I'm Benzema, not, I'm, by I the way. I don't trust you. I don't trust you yet. Jimmy, Kareem Benzema, that's the name I was literally just about to bring up, but I get in trouble anytime I bring up any other names in comparison to, to American players. There's, but Kareem Benzema does a great job of, of knowing when to flick layoff and then all of a sudden sprint into the box and get into yeah, good spots, yeah. right? And I think there are certain parts of, of Benzema's game that, that Ricardo Pepe should be looking at constantly, which is – there are long periods when Benzema doesn't get the ball uh, mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. times, but he's efficient with the ball. He knows exactly. Same with Lewandowski. When he checks off, he knows exactly, like, this is not the moment for me to try something. Just get mm-hmm. it back and then get into good spots. And mm-hmm. and then the part two to that is if you if you saw Chicharito's run uh, this weekend Cheeky. where he Cheeky. goes to check to that near post and goes back to the back post, those types of little things in terms of being dynamic in the box that allows him to be in good spots to finish are going to continue to make him a better player, whether he's a winger or not. I mean, the modern game, the wingers are sort of forwards anyway and have a little bit different of of of, of movement. But there's a number of players, by the way, not just Mihailovic, that's that 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 could be considered for 
for uh, this national team over the next seven, eight months. You know, you've got Brian Gutierrez with the fire, another teenager, Obed Vargas, the, the yep, Alaskan, yep. you know, Alaskan hotbed of uh, football development with the Sounders. Um, and these guys are teenagers, too, coming through and showing that they can play at a very high level and very, very young. Mihailovic is another one that, you know, when if you go back to when they gave Ricardo Pepe, I think it was like the Young Player of the Year Award for MLS. You know, there was other players statistically that were playing in that same arena in terms of statistics. Um, mm-hmm. And that was Mihailovic. And it was um, who was Tejan Buchanan, Tejan Buchanan. And both of them kind of commented on social media being like, hey, I got I got I got screwed out of this because of the hype of a young young American player that's uh, that that's kind of got the story that 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 uh, Ricardo Pepe has. And so there's a lot of guys knocking on that door. Um, nobody of which that I think has really stood up to really demand outside of Kim and Carter Vickers, who Jimmy, you and I talked about before Charlie started uh, joining us on, on this new show, we talked about it a lot of like, what more can somebody do, right? What more can somebody actually do than what he's doing now? Has the team at the top of the table, statistically one of the best defenders in the league, not like over the hill in terms of past the age of fitting in with this group moving forward. And I just don't know, you know, where Greg starts to find this flexibility to bring players in or meaning that some of these players are going to miss out on potentially crucial moments in this cycle. What I think is interesting is that with Ricardo Pepe being pretty strong as a winger, well, we don't need any more wingers, man. We need a goddamn number nine on this team. We need a number nine. We need to put a stamp on the number nine position, even though I was pleasantly surprised at how well he played in that spot. And I think he's going to get another look. Played 89 minutes. Speaking of defenders, Chris Richards came back in for Hoffenheim. Mm-hmm. He missed seven straight league games, got 45 minutes, and their one loss, one, two one loss to Bochum this past weekend. He didn't really have any... Uh, influence on the negative side of things in terms of why the goals were scored. There's some suspect defending, though, with some of his teammates looking at you, Hoffenheim defenders, not named Chris Richards. And then and then with uh, Georgi Mihailovic, he's only 23. And and to your point, Chuck, I think what's interesting about him is that De La, Luca De La Torre, who played 90 minutes for Heracles this weekend uh, in their, their 2-0 win, not that they're the same, but they're kind of the same. And, yep. and it feels like De La Torre might just have a little bit of an advantage even though Mihailovic has been around Burhalter, he was part of the 2019 Gold Cup team. So, so do you feel like I feel like Mihailovic is a little bit sharper uh, of a threat uh, in terms of like getting in the box? Yeah, I, there's yes. something to be said there. I, I would love to see Mihailovic and Carter Vickers come in and and have a chance in this because you already know what the other guys are about and you've seen them in high pressure situations. Most of them you've tested now in World Cup qualifying. Now let's see what it looks like in a couple friendlies, potentially in the Nations League. And take it from there. Do you, do you call on Mihailovic as well, Chuck? Yeah, I, I would like to see him in, in the camp. I think he's grown um, in, in a lot of ways. I think most importantly, his strength on the ball. I think it was whenever things got a little heated or, or physical, he, he tended to shy away. Mm-hmm. I'm not seeing that from him now. He looks like he put on some weight. He's been in the gym. He looks confident in, in mm-hmm. every step that he makes. He looks like he's playing ahead of the game. He, he looks really impressive. He's in tune with, with the attack. I think he finds the gaps perfectly, the weight of his passes. He gives you something different when you're looking at this current group of midfielders in, in the U.S. men's national team. Do, they all cover ground, most of them. I mean, you're talking about Kellen Acosta, Eunice Musa, Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney. They can cover ground like no other. But when you talk about having the ball at your feet, certain specific movements, attacking movements, and and playing between the lines and being a little bit more of a creative playmaker, 
Not so much. And I think that's where Mihailovic fits in. Luka De La Torre is one of those players as well who can get on the ball and, and re relieve pressure. But I think as far as breaking teams down, you get a little something like that for, from Mihailovic. Now, Heath, do you feel like it might be a little bit unfair to these players that they're maybe, if they do get called in, won't be playing with the eight. Maybe the eight team will be called in. But if let's say they're not, that, that we can't see a Carter Vickers next to Zimmerman or Miles Robinson. Or we can't see uh, Mihailovic with with Tyler Adams and a Yunus Musa because I feel like that's how we're really going to know because you don't know. I mean, when, even when I came into the national team, when I got to go around Eddie Pope and Pablo Mastriani, and all of a sudden you just kind of you level up your game to everybody else, and then you fit in pretty seamlessly, and then all of a sudden the coaching staff is looking at you like, hey, all right, he can hold his own with these guys, and he can organize and put them in good spots, and we we do seem really fluid with him in the team. Where there yeah. is no drop off. And, and so that makes me a little bit concerned if these guys are really going to get a chance. That said, most of the European guys will be available because the window's in June and all the leagues will be done. What, what are your thoughts yeah, on, on if bringing these guys are in, if it will even make a difference, even if they play well, just because they're kind of friendlies and let's say the Nations League, more glorified friendlies. Yeah, I think we're talking about marginal gains here, right? Like mm -hmm. you're, you're not – there's clearly something that Greg Berhalter sees missing in Cameron Carter-Vickers' game considering he's been playing since the summer that mm -hmm. he might be getting more attention, but there might be small things that Greg goes. This Again, we talked about the, the John Anthony Brooks of like, is he, is, he, is he a good enough teammate and locker room guy to come in as a non-starter in this team as a role, or is he a guy that I, I need to put in? Does it make it more complicated than mm -hmm. it does easy? That I wonder about some of the, a lot of these players coming in later in, into the cycle. Now, again, you talk about strikers. If somebody's got the hot hand, then yes, of course, you bring them in and you give them a run because we're still searching for answers on the attacking side of things. At least we've constant, constantly had this rotation of players that, again, you get down to 23 players after 17, you want to bring those hot hands that may have not been in the cycle just for the last five minutes of a big game. You know, you're 1-1 one, one with Iran, you need a goal, mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. You're going to bring those players in. But at the same time, you've still got Aaron Long, who's not quite there yet. You go back to the 2010 cycle with all of us. I mean, Bob Bradley... Um, rolled the dice on Gooch, who wasn't fit yet, and I don't even think was fully fit mm -hmm. at the World Cup, saying, I would rather have Gooch at 80, hoping he gets to 100, because of what he can give me, than bring in yourself, Jimmy, or or who else Clarence was there, Goodson. Danny Caleb, Clarence, no, Clarence yeah. Goodson ma made the squad, but like, yeah, yeah. ended up ended up taking, passing on a couple of these guys, Chad Marshall, a number of these guys who we're sort of the bubble players knowing that it's like, I'm going to roll. It's a trust thing. It's if I can get this guy back to the level, otherwise I might not need him. You start to go through all that when you're building a roster for things. Cause you don't want two in every position. Cause it just feels, you know, you want maybe two and three of your back four and your fourth, mm -hmm. you have a hybrid player, you know, now you don't need an extra necessarily an extra winger. If you have Ricardo Pepe that can go there and it starts to become this shuffling effect where Greg can focus his attentions on, specialty types of moments against specialty yeah. types of opponents where it's a little bit more of a tactical play. So it's just hard for me to see Cameron Carter Vickers rounding that corner in terms of getting the trust from Greg in the amount of time needed to yeah. cement himself in the squad with enough minutes to say, I'm, I'm better by a margin than Aaron Long, who you trust and really, really like. Well, I think you got to bring him in because if somebody does get hurt, at least you kind of know what you're getting with Carter Vickers and how he fits in with the group. And maybe the same for Mihailovic. I just want to see them get a look with the team and, and see how it goes. Now, Charlie, let's let's look forward to the Champions League coming up. Christian Pulisic didn't play this past weekend against Brentford. Thomas Tuchel ends up saying that Thiago Silva, we brought him back and started him against Brentford, is a bit different than Christian 
because Thiago didn't play the third match for Brazil. He came back one day earlier, didn't have the same jet lag. Now for Christian, we have to decide, didn't train today. We gave him a recovery session, but he was very tired of jet lag and time difference. Ooh, shots fired at Greg for playing them all three, huh? I Maybe, maybe. So, so I feel like they rested him and he'll be ready. He was very good against Real Madrid, especially in leg one in Madrid last season. This first leg is at Stanford Bridge. Do you think Christian Pulisic will start this one? I guess that's my thoughts. And, and how are you feeling about where he is just, just emotionally? Because it seemed like he was pretty pissed after we lost to Costa Rica. Obviously going to go and celebrate once you kind of get over that. But mm-hmm. he's, he just feels like he's got unfinished business. He's got a little uh, hunger to him right now that I really appreciate. But real quick, yeah. Charlie, before you say that, just so you know, he must have been pissed off too that, that Brentford put a beating on Chelsea while he wasn't playing too. <laughs> exactly. Like, uh, you know, 4-1 for anybody that didn't watch that. It was pretty pretty bad, basically yeah, bad. securing safety for Brentford. But yeah. Yeah, I, I would say he, he's hungry. I mean, he's determined. I think for every player – it's now a buildup to the World Cup, and you're trying to get in the, the most form. You're trying to uh, stay healthy, and you're, you're trying to stay, I think, motivated and ambitious to continue to play at a, the highest level and push yourself to want more so that come the World Cup, you you stand a chance to like make a real impact. And I think for Christian Pulisic, he knows – Man, I, I one have to still fight for my place every week at Chelsea. It's never, never guaranteed. He could score a brace, and still the next week he's still looking mm-hmm. over his shoulder. Am I going to play or not? And I think Thomas Tuchel, you can either give him credit or you can be like, man, he's done enough. He he can be your player to con- just continue to keep him, you know, motivated, right? To not let him settle. And most players, I mean, when you play at those those clubs, you're never going to be comfortable. And I think that's what all national team coaches hope for is all these players feel that way, that they always have to be on their toes and they never get comfortable and they're pushing themselves. I think for Christian, no matter where he is, he's going to have, he's going to have that feeling because it's either it's with the club or it's with the national team. Everyone's expecting him to, to kind of be the player who can change a game. And so for him, I don't think he's going to go from not playing in Brentford to starting in the champions league. I still think he'll come off the bench, but that's not to say the second leg, he's not a starter. I think really, Jimmy, is it a move Chelsea's for you, tactics, by the way? What's is that? It a move? Does does Pulisic need to make a move in the summer? Is he, I, I mean, need I need to see what happens. These are the game. This is part of the reason why I asked Charlie and and ultimately, well, all of us to have. But it sort of feels like the writing's on the wall for him, right? In terms of like you're going to be a, a rotational player that's maybe 12th or 13th in my lineup. At least over the last couple of months, he's been fit and healthy, and he's still not getting the minutes. Um, yeah, but when he, but I feel like when he's been getting the minutes, he's been making more of those minutes. In, in in the recent month or two than he has prior to that when he was coming off the significant injury, when he was having interviews where he was just talking about kind of how lost he was mentally. Yeah, but that's and, great and, for Thomas Tuchel, Jimmy, to have a guy who's who's doing better with the minutes that he gives him. But he's if you're I, I know on the ballistic side, you're kind of like, but I'm doing better with the minutes you're giving me. Is it worth and the I'm risk? I'm not getting more. I don't know. I mean, this is this is why I asked, is will Tuchel trust him? In these big games, he trusted him last year and it paid off when he started. Now, obviously, to, to Chuck's point, he can come on and be a super sub and, and probably be uh, a nice spark off the bench. But I, I don't know. But my, my concern with Chelsea is they're playing with a back four. They did against mm-hmm. Brentford and they just don't look as good or as fluid. No Jorginho. So they didn't really have that normal kind of pivot to to transition them from side to side or or in transition. And and I just don't I don't want to see them in a four against against Real Madrid because I just feel like Pulisic won't be able to have as much influence when when he he crushed them last year because they had a couple slow center backs and he got in behind ultimately that's led to to the goal that he scored 
I don't know if he'll play that high up the field. We'll see if he's playing off the shoulder of Kai Havertz. I'd love for him to start, but we'll see. I guess that's ultimately my question. I don't know whether he should go or not, man. I, I This last part of the season is going to be really interesting, not only for, for him, but let's. I just want to segue very quickly to Tyler Adams because I'm concerned. He didn't play this weekend. And a lot of Americans didn't, right? A lot of them logged a lot of minutes and, and are traveling a, a really mm. far to get back to their clubs and need some rest. I totally get that. But the guy that played in front of him scored two goals, <laughs> and he'd only scored Conrad Limer, and he he only scored two goals all season, and now he scored two in one game against Borussia Dortmund in Dortmund, which was a big win for RB Leipzig. They're taking on Atalanta this week in the Europa League quarterfinals. Given how well they played against Dortmund, I don't see Domenico Tedesco, the manager of Leipzig, changing that. I worry a little bit for Tyler Adams. I think maybe even more so than Pulisic, he should make a move. What do you say to that, Heath? I mean, his last 90 minutes for RB Leipzig was mid-January. Um, That's, that makes me nervous, man. It, this, ma- the- it makes me nervous. Now, I'm, I'm less so worried about a, a guy scoring I, goals I around him and things it. like that. But, you know, you don't change a winning team. He is a role player where, as a, again, another one that, that borders on a, a flex player for a team because of the fact that he could play your white, right wing back, he could play right back, he can play the six, he could probably do the eight, he can be in a number of spots and come in with the energy that you need. Now, that's very similar to what you need as the midfielder, as the starter, but I just worry about his timing because you go back to, again, end of last year, the talk was about, like, what's the next club? What's the next club? This guy's mm-hmm. got to graduate from this, right? And he said right. there's very few clubs in the world that you graduate from Leipzig to go to. And not graduate, but that like, you leave Leipzig I, to yeah, go sure. to. It's got to be the right sure. club. And now he's not playing, and you start to go, well, now there's a lot more clubs that you potentially have to go to uh, to be in a better situation than 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 playing spot minutes at at, at RB Leipzig. Granted, he's always going to be again. He's going to probably play every game there, but they're clearly they've gone through the rotation of managers, and and he's out of favor in terms of being that guy that's going to get them the results uh, as a 90 minute starter. So I, I I he's another one that I think. So Genio Dust is another one on sort of the mm-hmm. trading block from mm-hmm. what I read today with 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 uh, Bayern Munich trying to. Paul Lewandowski and some of these things, some of it obviously clearly rumors, but uh, a number of guys that summer is going to play, play a big role in not necessarily whether they wake, make the world cup squad. Cause like Charlie mentioned in our last show, these guys play at these clubs. They're going to be in no matter what. It's a matter of the form that they're in that mm-hmm. we need them to be in to actually navigate the group stage. My, my question to you, Jimmy is yeah. If, if Chelsea's not the club for Christian Pulisic or if Tyler, or Tyler Rams has got to move from, this is from a good question. Where, where do they go? God. What's what's the yeah, best? Case I'm glad you asked that, Jimmy. Ask Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. To Julius's point, Adam should go to Dortmund. Like, that's interesting one. I hadn't really thought about a like a lateral move in the same league, and I would love to see Adams and Jude Bellingham in the same midfield. That would be. I mean, talk about ball hawks. Those guys would be all over the place. I, with regard to Pulisic, that's more difficult. You're wearing the number ten shirt for Chelsea the reigning Champions League winners, anything that you do is probably, I mean, 99% of your moves are going to be a step down, I think. Uh, How about Atletico Madrid or something like that? Like somewhere that's like a big Champions League club. That but it's a different play. league. Yeah, but you see, I, I love, I, I think La Liga would be a great league for Christian, but Atletico Madrid, they defend, right? Yeah. So it, I think yeah, right, tactically, right. it's probably not the best team for yeah, him. Yeah, look at Joao Felix. He doesn't really fit. Even no. He's got special gifts going forward. So maybe Pulis- Pulis- Sevilla, Milan is I guess what bad. I'm saying Inter Milan's not bad. That would yeah. be a bad shout. Something like that where it's like big club, Champions League, 
an ebb and flow of a type of team that's not going to like Chelsea's expected to go perfect every year. These types of things where, you know, if you're not contributing, look at Lukaku, you know, huge signing, can't get a start. Um, no one's above the law at a club like Chelsea, who's got 35 players that could play at a very high level. Whereas, you know, it's got to be at a club where there is somewhat depth issues where we know Christian Pulisic at least has a chance to, to a, a spot to lose versus, you know, having to fight week in week out where it's sort of the interchanging world-class player or world-class adjacent player between Havertz, Werner, Mason Mount, uh, Christian Pulisic, you know, and then the list goes on and on and on from there at Chelsea. Yeah, it's tough. When I think about Tyler Adams, maybe like a mid-table Premier League club, the one that has some room for growth, a Villa, Wolves, Leicester, uh, Southampton, something like that, where he can get in, you know, he's going to probably get 90 minutes on the regular. And and if the team does well, then everybody benefits, right? All, all, all the boats will rise, all the water will rise, and all the boats, whatever. Charlie, do you think right. do you think Adams in the Premier League is a, is a good shot? Do you think he has that sort of strength and and whatever? Like when I see him dialed dialed in, he could play anywhere. Yeah. But um, just on uh, a consi- that's different than a week to week like your consistent sort of form. Yeah, I mean the intensity matches exactly how he plays, and I, and I think he he would, I think he would rise to the occasion. Then it comes into will he stay healthy because mm-hmm. the amount of matches you play in England and with that type of intensity every single match, the amount of miles you're putting on those legs, that that's a lot. So I, I think that would be – it would be interesting to see if if Tyler can get his move. I know Arsenal had been floating around for, for a while now, but Arsenal have gone in a kind of a crazy new direction, and he has has kind of stopped playing at Leipzig. So will Arsenal still be interested in, in paying a, a considerable fee for Tyler Adams? Newcastle. <laughs> or Leeds, right? You could go with yeah. Jesse Marsh and play. Well, we're sending there. everybody to Leeds. I'm all about <laughs> American nepotism. If there's an American and, manager, uh, then bring them all in. The Pulisic one is so tricky, though. It's so tricky. I, I don't know if there's an out-and-out team that that really sticks out for me. And, and I know that he got linked to Barcelona for a while, but then they went and made some signings that uh, don't make sense for them to sign him anymore. But, uh, yeah, that's a good one. I think we'll obviously have plenty of fodder to talk about that moving forward. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this, too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to In Soccer. We trust I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Charlie Davies and Heath Pierce. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us on the YouTubes. Make sure you hit like and subscribe and turn on those notifications. And if you're listening to us in a podcast form, make sure you go to whatever audio platform you use. Give us a five-star review. That's us doing some peer pressure and leave us a review if you've got some time to make that happen. That way we can keep giving you the good stuff, the free content week after week after week. Also, I should let everybody know that a week unlike... Any other is finally here. The Masters returns to Augusta National, where Hideki Matsuyama will defend his green jacket 
So go join the First Cut Golf Podcast where the entire crew is previewing this year's tournament from storylines to picks and even daily fantasy advice. The First Cut has you covered. The First Cut Golf Podcast is available wherever you're listening to this podcast. All right, boys. Let's talk about the Nations League draw happening tonight, Monday, April 4th, 7 p.m. Eastern on Paramount+. Plus. We're going to have all – hopefully – I'm actually looking forward to – the draw having its own pageantry, like we saw with the World Cup draw. <laughs> uh, I want to see some cartoons. I want to see all this type of stuff. We probably won't get it, but I'm hoping. Now, the U.S. men's national team will play two home friendlies between June 1st and June 8th, and then the Nations League matches will happen on June 11th and June 14th. The opponents and the home and away designations will be determined in that draw tonight. A full squad, though, is expected to play in all these games, which mm-hmm. is good news. So, Charlie, I'll come to you here first. Let's talk about the friendlies. Who would you like to play in these games, given what we've seen from the World Cup draw and and maybe how we have to start to prepare for the Englands, the Irans, and the Wales, Scotland, Ukraine-type teams? Well, certainly a European uh, team. And one that's a a high-caliber team, similar to a pot one team. So you're looking at the Netherlands. I'd like to see the the U.S. play the Netherlands, Mm -hmm. Germany, France... Belgium, Belgium, Spain, Portugal, literally any of those. Any pot, pot one team. Any, any pot one team. Okay. Because that kind of gives you a good sense of where the team is, where they need to improve, and you're playing against a, a top-notch uh, international uh, club that uh, country that has all their players. So you, you don't have to worry about, oh, are we playing You know the best of what they have to offer? So I think for certain there. And I wouldn't mind – you know, I know Mexico is playing Argentina. If we also played Argentina in that in wow. that window, um, swing it for the fences, Chuck. I like uh, that. Let's just we'll just go get France and Argentina as our friendlies. I love that. If, if, you, if, if you're really trying to compete for a World Cup, and and this is the U.S., you play the two best teams that you can possibly play. Yeah, right, right. Mm-hmm. No, that's fair. You know what I do want to take into consideration, Heath, is that Harry Kane this particular weekend excellent against Newcastle, but obviously. It was Newcastle, so take that into consideration. But he's so good at dropping into midfield and spraying those balls to runners in advance. Hingman Son, Kulisevsky with Spurs. But he also can do the same thing for England. And when they do, they it's tough as a center back to know whether to step with him or follow him into midfield and leave open that passing lane or to just hold your position and let your holding midfielder maybe try to track him, even though they're not probably not going to be as close. And that will still open up a different type of space that they can exploit. I'm trying to think of which national team might have that as an option. I, I guess I'm looking more at Germany because they don't have a number nine, but that's not the same as having a number nine who pulls you out of position. What do you say about uh, about the friendlies? Oh man, yeah, I agree. I, it's I look. I, I think about it like definitely want to. I definitely want to tier tier one like your 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 top somebody just because of the fact that it might not mirror the style of play. If you can't get England, it might not mirror sure. the style of play. Oh shoot, make it England. But like it might not mirror the style of play of the teams you're going to play against in your group, but it makes us have to adjust to another team. That's probably going to outside of the way in which Mexico tries to control the flow of the play, mm-hmm. be a little bit quicker, be a little more experienced and all those things that we saw uh, lacking at times when we went through that period of like, Greg Berhalter as the manager, and then a couple of years where it's just friendlies, mostly sort of regional friendlies, things like that. We haven't really had outside of what Switzerland. We played Wales. Mm-hmm. We played. Um, I'm trying to think of what other opponents we've really had to challenge with this team that now has substantially more experience than they did before. We need to play against teams. Italy that, could be available. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, why not? I mean, just you need to play against teams that 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 can humble you in different ways and and force you to have to again get into plan B and plan C and plan D throughout a game where the fluidity is where you're really going to have your IQ as a team collectively and individually tested in a way that we haven't, right? We've we've been so uh, Rel- I guess relatively successful at this point, finishing third in CONCAP, but so successful in our region that we've forgotten that there is a world of football nations that play completely different and will approach the game completely mm-hmm. different and make and, and present challenges that we can't present. Mm-hmm. So playing against the best teams, I think, is really, really important, more so than finding, like, what's the mimic to, to, to right. Iran or the mimic to another team. Well, when I think about Iran and, and Wales, Scotland, Ukraine, they've kind of fallen to they're, – they're good teams. So I'm not trying to, to – at, quote unquote, take the piss, but but they're good, hardworking teams that have some special players. They're going to be well organized, uh, tactically and technically astute, all that type of stuff. I feel like we've seen those games. We we have our own opponents in Concacaf that not necessarily mirror it like for like, but but have some similarities. When you look at England, though, I'm I I think it is important to your point, Heath, to to be exposed to other teams that will provide something. For instance, but but I want it to actually somewhat look like England. England do like to get out get, at times, get going with their outside backs, especially mm-hmm. if Trent Alexander-Arnold gets going, if he starts. Now, Kyle Walker was excellent in the Euros for them. So I, I don't know what Gareth Southgate's going to do, but if you have these, these outside backs that can get forward, God, it makes such a big difference in terms of how you defend and, and who goes out to step first and where are you shaping the play defensively. And then, and then when you win the ball, how do you transition? I would actually love to see Brazil because I feel like Brazil, even though their outside backs might be their weakest spot on their team, they still probably lend themselves to making that numerical advantage happen in those areas of the field. Would you play that for a win, though, Jimmy? Like, if, say I don't know. Brazil, That's... Or, I mean, of course you always play for the win. No, I get but it. There's also, like, sub-exercises within a game against yeah. against uh, Brazil, similar to when I remember playing against Spain, humble brag, that uh, oh, here we go. There, was, there was long periods where you didn't have the ball, and you had to stay disciplined, and you had to wait for your moments, and you knew – your chances for a goal were going to come off of a counterattack where they're a little right. overexposed and things like that where you're almost baiting them in. But more than anything, it was an exercise of like discipline, of being on the same page, communication, all these things that, you know, you can really learn a lot from your group and the unity of that group in these things versus because it's not going to be fun for those players. They're not going to enjoy playing against Brazil other than the fact they're playing against Brazil because you are not going to have the ball much. They're going to make you chase it. They're going to make you really have to to figure out ways to beat them which I think is great for the team, but not necessarily for the the way in which we want to play as a country. No, that's fair. I would throw out Denmark would be another one uh, that one. maybe mimics a, a Wales, Ukraine, yeah, Scotland in, in that kind of – because you also want to play teams that are playing in a World Cup because they're also kind of in the same process where – they're put they're putting their best players forward because they're trying to figure out, you know, in, in some cases there there's one or two spots that they're trying to figure out who the best player is moving forward. So they have a lot to on the line as well. Even though it's a friendly, th- these are both like, you know, with the intention of trying to put to put your best eleven forward for the World Cup. So I think it's important that whoever the friendly is against, that they're both World Cup opponents. Yeah, this can be tough. I mean I did see a shout there from Julius in the comments who said Italy and, and Colombia might not be a bad shout to to cut your teeth against those guys as well. I, I don't know. It's 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 going to be interesting, and and I do want our guys to suffer a little bit, Heath. I I, I know we suffered in different ways in World Cup qualifying and Concacaf, but but because of what these other types of opponents, these tier one opponents as you call them, with what they 
demonstrate, what they show you, how they, and I would just want to see us. And I think it'd be good for us as I know the players will suffer, but to have that video to, to be able to reflect on, Hey, remember when they did this, this looks very similar to, you know, this team we're going to be playing in the world cup or whatever, I think would be a really important exercise. So I don't know. Interesting times. And I'm it excited does, to, it does. To, when they, when, I don't know when that's getting announced. Do we have any insight on that? No, Charlie knows everything about everybody. So we're sure <laughs> for him to announce it to us, but like, no. I, I, like I, this is my biggest downside of of Nations League, who we're going to go up against in this in, at this point. I think Nations League is hugely important because it's better. It's weird because normally this would be better than friendlies because there's consequence involved, but because it's a World Cup year, you're like, I'll take the friendlies. Give me the friendlies. Just play all friendlies against good teams. Uh, if there's not any matches of consequence against teams at a, at a high level, so mm-hmm. to me, this is the problem that we've been really stuck in our region for a couple of years now, for the most part, right? At least twelve months, and we're going to probably, you know, with Nations League, continue that. That we got to be able to snap out of that because the rest of because the game is different everywhere, and I think we have the ability to drink our own Kool Aid on CONCACAF right now, even though we did finish third. I get all that. There's no reason to do that. But it's really easy to think that we are better because we haven't seen the diversity of opponents. Uh, Because CONCACAF is relatively similar as soon as you get to Mexico and Central America in terms of style of play, the the way the game is played, obviously different tactics and things like that. But uh, So I don't want to generalize all of that. But it is very different than what you're going to get from a a Wales or Scotland who are different than you're going to get from a Ukraine who are very different. Yeah, Oof. Senegal or or who you're going to get against a a, a uh, Iran who's going to be technical, quick, and and play the game differently. And so th- that diversity of opponent is while we've got a lot of experience, we're still missing some of that of yeah. like big international games because I know both of you guys have played in big international games that were not within the confines of of of, of qualifying and, and COVID. So you had the ability to have a window where it's two games uh, in Europe and it's those types of things. Yeah, we right. haven't really yeah. had that with this yeah. group yet. I mean, no, we I'm did curious. early on, but very different group. Well, I'm curious not only with the who we're going to pick in the friendlies, but where we're going to play these games. You know, I do think there's there's uh, something to be said for potentially playing them elsewhere and mm-hmm. maybe in an environment where it's going to be tough and hard and maybe can replicate some of the surroundings we'll be facing at the end of the year. I don't know if we're going to find that type of heat this uh, in, in June, but maybe we will. Now let's move on to the CONCACAF Nations League. I'm going to do my very best to break down how this all works because... It uh, doesn't feel very straightforward, but there are 41 participating CONCACAF member associations that will be allocated in their respective league pots according to the CONCACAF ranking following the FIFA International Match Window of March 2022, which just happened. Now, the draw is happening tonight on Paramount Plus in Miami, Florida, and there'll be three draws, one for each league. There's League A. Okay, League A has the three highest ranked teams and CONCACAF's representative in the FIFA World Cup uh intercontinental playoffs so that'll be costa rica pot two will be the next four ranked teams pot three will be the lowest four ranked teams you can see it here on the screen so we'll just focus on that but they're going to be three leagues there's uh three pots for league a four pots for league b and three pots for league c now each of the leagues respective leagues a b and c's draws will begin by randomly selecting a team from pot one and placing them in group a of the respective league so what this is basically saying is we won't get uh probably mexico or canada in, no. in in our group or so, costa rica or costa rica so which is a bit of a disappointment because i know we're trying to cut our teeth against good teams especially meaningful competitions and we might end up with and not to say that honduras would be I, i'd like panama panama and curacao yeah okay okay so panama and and curacao okay that's not a bad show i mean who who else i wouldn't if mind curacao brings their 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 players i want curacao. that's true that's right. true panama would be a good one 
uh, El Salvador wouldn't be too bad. They just got promoted. Jamaica, I guess. I guess there's some teams there that that uh, will make it difficult for us. But I think we're only going to get one of those mid-tier teams, and then probably mm-hmm. like a Martinique or or a Curacao or or Suriname. Uh, it, uh, he, Charlie, I'll go to you. Which which you said you're yeah you a little Panama and Curacao. Panama and Curacao because Panama, we saw how how much they improved uh, this World Cup qualifying cycle, and I just think. It would be a good opponent to have, and then and the Curacao I think is probably they have the most dynamic players out of that pot three group if right. they bring all of their players. Okay, Heath, where where are you? Where, where would who would you like to face? Especially given that we're going to probably face one of the teams we just faced in the Ocho and Woke Up Qualifying. Man, honestly, I it's weird because I remember playing against Barbados in World Cup Qualifying, and while we we kind of we we didn't kind of we beat them. 8-0, which is still a record that stands at home. When we played him away, it was a very different game. How right? many you were flexes playing? for Heath today? Okay, keep going. I just, want be, I just want people to know, you know, just, you know, if you know, you know. Or if I tell you, then you'll know. Uh, <laughs> hey, did you assist to me against Granada, by the way? Yeah, of course I did. Yeah, <laughs> Everybody was. It's yeah. a party. Yeah, I remember, Charlie. That was a long ball, I think, from either – I think Parkhurst hit it over the top to me, and I think I fed it in to you. You scored. That was right before your, your move, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that was the only. Was that the only game you played in in that? Uh... Charlie didn't have yeah. time for any of those other games. Yeah. Heath. <laughs> but yeah. no, I played the next one. I came, okay. I came okay. off the bench against Honduras. Yeah. Mm. It, yeah, I guess for me, the, the point I was trying to get at uh, while I got an attention talking about myself uh, was Barbados. <laughs> was Bar- Barbados away was an interesting one because you had a lot of these sort of championship League One players playing in a game where condensed field, very difficult, where we were challenged. We were challenged in a different way, and granted, it was different because it was a two-legged affair and whatever. But the challenges were still there, and if we can find an opponent that's going to challenge us in a way that is we've continued to struggle with, which is bunkered in, you know, organized, where we've got to outsmart them, I think that's a really good, really good play. So there's a few of these Caribbean nations, depending on on who they roll out or bring in for those games, that I think could be a, a big challenge for us to try to solve problems and use it as a learning match. Uh, that that I don't know. May, Panama would be great, but I know we're not going to get them. Costa Rica, but I almost don't want to play them anyway. I want us to start to evolve in terms of. I'd rather almost have a a uh, who was I mean who was somebody that that played us really El Salvador when they. When I, they yeah, I was about back, to say El Salvador because you know, like, made they, it hard for us, and we had to find did. solutions that's ultimately made this team better. Now you know, 14 games later, but it's still going to continue to be a problem because any other team watching us on tape just goes. <laughs> Yeah, just force them wide and sit back and play discipline, and this team's going to struggle a little bit because we haven't figured out how to connect the dots. I want El Salvador. I really do. I think Hugo Perez has done a great job of getting them organized and stacked up. 0-0 in the first game of qualifying there. We, we I know we had a bit of a mixed lineup, but we couldn't really break them down. I thought, even though we created some opportunities, Jesus Ferrer had a couple of good chances in that first half, and we played him at home, and we won 1-0. Anthony Robinson scored in that one to give everybody a fresh reminder they still weren't difficult to break down. I think they would challenge us in a way, to, to your point, Keith, and, and you as well, Charlie, where we have to figure out, we have to solve problems. And, and I think they would, I think they feel pretty good about organizing against us. So I hope we get El Salvador. And, Honduras and, was hard for us in the Nations League semi. We could have lost that one. That's true. Um, we could have lost that one. Mm-hmm. I remember Zach Steffen made a save on, on who was it up top? Lozano. Albert Felice? Yeah. yeah. It was Lozano. 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 Yeah. Uh, it was unreal. Like he was in, and Zach Steffen made a great save. And mm-hmm. obviously, we lose that. Who knows what kind of conversation we're having? But uh, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind an El Salvador, and then or a Honduras. You know, I think B 
because they started to go and play a little bit younger, them getting that result. Geez, I hope we play them just because we can give them a high five. Like, thanks for drawing with Panama. It took a ton of pressure off of us in, in that first game of that last window. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting. But again, I hope we draw some people that will challenge us and test us a little bit, uh, especially if they sit in a low block. Because I think we could see Iran in a low block. I don't know if we'll see that from Wales or Scotland, but I think Iran will sit in a low block and try to hurt us on the counter. And um, we, we're just going to need some some experience with regard to that. All right, everybody. I'm calling it a podcast here. In Soccer We Trust, I'm going to get final thoughts. I'm going to start with Hollywood Heath Pierce, then we'll go to Charlie Chuckwagon Davies to get their final thoughts. Also, as a reminder, we have two more In Soccer We Trust podcasts coming to you this week on Thursday and Friday. If you're going to watch it live with us on the YouTubes, we're going to start at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Thursday, and 12 p.m. Pacific and 3 p.m. Eastern on Friday. So we hope that you can come back and join us you, again. You, you flip-flopped them. I did? <laughs> yeah. Thursday's three uh, Eastern. You're on a perfect you know run, Jimmy. You're on no, a perfect no, no. run. You know what? I did that on purpose because now you're going to actually remember it that I made those mistakes. <laughs> ah. Okay. 12 p.m. Uh, Pacific on Thursday, 3 p.m. Eastern. And then on Friday, 10 a.m. And 1 p.m. Eastern. So we hope you guys come back for that. Hit the notifications. Turn it like and subscribe. All that good stuff. Same on podcast form. Hollywood Heath, I'm coming to you. Final thoughts as we kind of get into the acceptance of our World Cup draw and looking forward to these friendlies and CONCACAF Nations League and, of course, how our players are playing uh, around the world. Yeah, uh, no, I actually don't have a final thought, Jimmy. You were on a perfect <laughs> run, and I was going to compliment you for your perfect run, and then uh, it ended up, uh, oh, man, I just got attacked that Heath lives in 2008, you know? <laughs> oh, okay, no. here's, my, here's my final thought. In 2008, I, was the, uh, I played more minutes than anybody in the national team since we're going back to 2000. <laughs> <laughs> Heath Pierce, everybody. Which, by the way, in the, in the U.S. soccer yearbook today. is wrong. Uh, and says that I was tied with somebody, and it's, it's wrong. I want them to go reprint the old, that whole, like, 100-year yearbook thing that they did. Reprint it, put a footnote saying it was wrong. I want them to apologize to me, and I want front-row seats to every national team game for the rest of my lifetime. We'll get Michael Cameron on the phone, make sure that's all corrected. Charlie Davies, final thoughts? Uh, let's go. Get Let's get this this Nations League drawn, and I want to know that the friendlies are against some some top, top countries um, that are going to really test us. You know, it's it'd be easy to to play. You know, some country that didn't qualify for the World Cup that maybe is going into it with maybe not the same intentions. I want us to be playing against the very best and like mm-hmm. keeping us hungry and keeping us like, you know, not not being able to settle. Like we got to continue to keep progressing. That's it. From Chuck's lips to everybody else's ears, including U.S. soccer, give us some tough games. We want to get better. We need to get better. That's the only way we're going to continue to move this forward. My final thoughts. Thank you for listening to In Soccer We Trust. So on behalf of producer Alex, producer Des, Charlie, Chuck Wagon Davies, and Hollywood Heath Pierce, I'm Jimmy Conrad saying thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. Later. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.